I'm extremely excited that you are here. I'm extremely excited to be sharing week six now. Can you believe it? On our study in the Holy Spirit. I mean, I don't know about you, but I have enjoyed this series so much. Our conversations as we worked on the messages have literally deepened our own convictions about this to a great, great effect. And um, we're just so, so, so oh, excited about the fruit that it's producing in our congregations. And so I want to just encourage you, if you missed out on any of these sermons, um, please go back to our OSC Connect app and find those recordings. Um, they're there online for you guys to keep learning from them and listen to them again. Because I just know that as the Holy Spirit takes His rightful place in our lives, the goodness of God will just come to us because that's why He came, right? And so I want us to um, just take a minute now and and just read our theme verse for the whole series. And would you do me a big favor? Would you stand with me in honor of God's word as we just read this first verse? Sometimes I do this just to call attention to the importance of the word of God. Just to let us realize that we're not just reading any old book here. These are the life-giving words of God contained in scripture in, 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 in written form that is meant to train us and can transform us into the image of Jesus Christ. And so as we read it, let's also open up our hearts to the living Word of God to bring His life to us. Amen? It's John 16, verse 7, and it says, Jesus is speaking, in fact. He says, but in fact, it is best for you that I go away. Can we all say this? It's best for me that Jesus went away. Here's why. Because if I don't, the advocate won't come. But if I do, I will send him to you. I'm here to bring you good news today. Jesus left us. Yes. <laughs> why is that good news? Because as he went, he did not leave us orphans. He sent us the Holy Spirit. He transferred the mantle of Emmanuel to the Holy Spirit, and now the Holy Spirit is God with us. God is walking, talking, living with us here on earth by His Holy Spirit because Jesus is true to His Word. And since He went to sit at the right hand of God, waiting for His enemies to be made His footstool, He has sent His Holy Spirit to us. And we get to walk and talk and live with the Holy Spirit, which is God. But God on earth, right here with us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for sending the Holy Spirit. Lord, it's so much better for us to be able to walk with you everywhere across the whole earth and have access to you in a moment of refocusing instead of having to walk around finding you where you are, where you're currently ministering. And Lord, you just had such insight and you knew that it was best for us that you would leave to send the Holy Spirit so that we can all walk with you the same. We can all experience your love and your intimacy. We can all experience your power the same. Thank you for being such a wise father. Thank you for sending the Holy Spirit. Open up our hearts to this message, Lord God, that we might decrease our own self so that you might live through us more, Lord God, so that we would become more like you, Jesus, 
and we would honor God with our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. amen. Right, as you take your seats, I want to recap real quick where we've gone through this series. In week one, we spoke about who the Holy Spirit is, and we saw just how intimately involved the Holy Spirit was with everything that God does on earth, and in fact that He is the agency that makes everything that God accomplishes happen on earth. And we spoke about what is the role of the Holy Spirit to bring us comfort, encouragement, and to bring us counsel, and He's, our, um, and he's our, the person who convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. We spoke about that and how that affirms our identity, but also how that calls us onto mission. And we spoke about what is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, uh, how God wants each and every Christian to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit that enables us not to become more mystical, but in fact to become more missional. Because He wants us to have the same heart that He had to when He came and left His comforts to seek and save that which was lost. We spoke about how do I know I am filled with the Holy Spirit. And um, we're going to reference back to that today, but we saw that what we're looking for is we're looking for change. We're not looking for necessarily manifestations. We're looking for lives that starts looking more and more like Jesus. Lives that has the same opinion, the same perspective, but also the same passion as Jesus had for his Father, but also for the world, for believers and non-believers alike. And then we looked at how do I use the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Last week, we spoke about the discerning gifts, and today we're going to speak about the declarative gifts. And then next week in part three of how do I use the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we're going to talk about the the dynamic gifts, and we're going to set us up then to talk about just what does it mean to walk in the anointing of God, and it's going to be a, a real awesome conclusion to our series. But for today, we're going to talk about the declarative gifts. So last week, we spoke about the discerning gifts being a gift of a word of knowledge. Can you remember them? A gift of a word of wisdom and the gift of discerning of spirits. And we explain in detail how each and every one of those gifts work and what their purpose is. And can I just remind y'all, did you see how long we spoke about the Holy Spirit before we started speaking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Did you see how much there was to receive of Him and from Him and how much, how, how much there is to interact with Him in before we even get to talk about the gifts? And that's really important because we wanted to make sure that we don't miss out on the Holy Spirit just because there is this probably one gift that is controversial, <laughs> right? And so often that one gift makes us just, just you know, throw out the whole baby with the bathwater. But we don't want that. We, we want to make sure that we, we I'm not going to go on with that analogy because it's going to get weird. We, <laughs> I was going to go cuddle the baby. No, let's not cuddle the baby right now. <laughs> we want to enjoy the presence of God in our lives, which is the Holy Spirit right here, right now, and benefit from all the goodness that He has to share with us and among us. And um, so the discerning gifts are there particularly to help us understand things, know things that we could not know by natural knowledge by information that was shared with us or by things that we studied or learned. It is an instant knowledge about something that God reveals to you in your spirit, man, that is supposed to help you do something. Now, sometimes the discerning gifts transition into a declarative gift that gets shared with somebody as a message of encouragement, but sometimes it's just for you to know that something's going on and you can respond, for instance. Have you ever felt that, man, I was just... I'm just suddenly aware of a need that somebody might have. You know, Susie, it comes to mind and you feel like, man, I really need to cook for Susie tonight. And so you, you pick up the phone and you go, hey, can I bring you all food today? 
And so she goes, oh, you don't know how much that will mean to us. We're just so overwhelmed with everything. And you know what just happened? Luck didn't strike you. You know, inspiration didn't strike you. The Holy Spirit revealed something about Susie to you that was meant for you to use in order to serve Susie, to help Susie, to be a blessing to Susie, right? And that's how natural these gifts of the Holy Spirit flow through us and how, we're, how they help us to just let, help, help us to be good to one another, help us to be good because the Bible said that they're given for the common good, right? Okay, so today we're going to talk about the declarative gifts. And the declarative gifts are gifts that need to be declared because they're messages. They are meant to, um, to, to, to declare a, a message uh, to people from God, and this is kind of how it works. And so we're going to get into, into 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 again, which talks a lot about these, these gifts. Um, and I want to read 1 Corinthians 12 as one first. It says, Now concerning the spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. What I love about Paul is how much emphasis he placed on the need for Christians to know about the Holy Spirit and to understand how the gifts of the Holy Spirit work, what their purpose is, where they fit into the body, how you should do them with an orderly fashion so that it be a benefit to everybody. But he would go around asking people when he found out that they were believers, hey, did you receive the Holy Spirit yet? And then they were like, you know, I don't know, maybe we did, maybe we didn't. Well, let's make sure, let's pray for you. They would pray for people various ways. Maybe sometimes they would just preach with people when Peter went to Cornelius' house, and, and they would just be filled with the Holy Spirit. And you see the different things that happened when they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And, you, and we spoke about last week how these gifts are like, they're actually, hey, Sally, are you going to come back? Because I actually have a word for you. So don't, don't leave permanently. <laughs> All right. Um, sorry about that. I just needed to find out because otherwise my... I come back fast. Because <laughs> it's almost now. Um, we made the example of the Holy Spirit's gifts being um, abilities driven by air. It's gifts driven by air. The pneuma is the breath of God or the air or air... And pneumaticos, this means gifts driven by air. And I like the nail gun example because if you, all, if you don't know how a nail gun works, a nail gun has a, a little um, magazine of sorts where it holds a bunch of nails that are kind of in a, in a little sleeve like that. And then each little nail gets, gets, literally gets pushed out of the nail gun by a little shaft that runs on a, on, a, on, a, on, a, on a flat surface, and this little shaft is shot by a gust of air, and it hits the nail on its head, detaches it from the rest of the magazine, and shoots it right into the board, and then it retracts again, waiting for the next gust of air to shoot that little, little shaft across the, across the surface. It's such an apt example because that's how the Holy Spirit is. He is effective, and He's accurate. When he does something, it brings clarity, it's, and, and, and it has effect in the people that, that, that it happens with. Sometimes we've misunderstood the Holy Spirit to be kind of mystical and mysterious. You know, it's like, ah, you know, like all sorts of weirdness and all that around it. No, that is not how the Holy Spirit is. When the Holy Spirit does something, he does it to bring an effect to help, to bring good, to bring clarity, to make sure that conviction happens that will help us to live out what we're supposed to live out. 
And so you can expect the gift of the Holy Spirit to bring positive effects in your life. It'll help you. It'll encourage you, right? And so we've spoken about that. But that's, that's kind of where, where we want to go to today is these declarative gifts. And remember, we, we broke the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit into three categories, three gifts in each, the discerning gifts, the declarative gifts, and then you have the dynamic gifts. And this middle group called the declarative gifts, um, they have words, messages, impressions, um, uh, revealing God's intentions as a message to people meant to bring encouragement, exhortation, and comfort. And that's the big, big reason why these gifts are given to the body. How many of you have needed encouragement before in your spiritual walk? Everybody. So let me say this to you. You needed the gift of the Holy Spirit because that's why He gave it to the body so that we can minister unto one another, build one another up, help one another in our walk with God. So let's jump into these three gifts as they, as they are revealed in Scripture and talk, talk, start talking a little bit about each and every one of them. The first one is the gift of prophecy. So what is the gift of prophecy? It's essentially a message of encouragement from God through a person. If you ever thought that, hey man, I could just do this, it's just me and Jesus. I can just do this Christian walk alone. You know, I don't need the church. Well, guess what? You're going to miss out on every single one of these amazing, helpful gifts that the Bible said, because guess where they're going to come through? Other believers. <laughs> the church. <laughs> God never meant for us to walk alone, y'all. He always meant for us to be in family and in community of believers. And so, these gifts are going to come through people to you. Now, because they come through people, sometimes people make mistakes. But that's okay, because as long as we're humble about how we do things, we can protect ourselves and we can be sure that we have checks and balances in place so as to not make people hurt unnecessarily. And I'm going to show you how that happens right now. Because often people are afraid of these things, prophecy, you know, the gift of tongues, and etc. But if we do it in a way, like Paul tried to explain, in an orderly fashion, it can be a great benefit and a great help to our walk with God. Prophecy gives exhortation, comfort, and encouragement. And it's important for us to note here that there is a difference between Old Testament prophecy and New Testament prophecy. In the Old Testament, God raised up prophets, and their words were like Scripture. They were divine. In the New Testament, we don't claim that our prophetic words are divine and equal to Scripture. In fact, what we try best to do is to make it echo Scripture. Instead of trying for it to make it equal to Scripture, we aim to have it being echoing Scripture. And if you make sure that you, whatever words of encouragement, prophecies you bring to people are in fact tethered to biblical principle, you're really going to be safe and you're really going to do good. Because God's messages that He brings to people today through His Spirit will never contradict Scripture. And so whenever, if, any, if ever somebody you know, gave you like a, a word or said, I have a prophecy for you or something like that, and it contradicted some principle in Scripture, then you just know that that person made a mistake. They understood wrong, and, they, and, and, and you can discard whatever they said, right? 
Like I've heard some people say that, you know, I had a prophecy and God told that, that you know, this, this man, quote-unquote, man of a preacher guy told me that, you know, God is calling me to, you know, sacrifice my children, not, not physical sacrifice, but to give my children away so that I can follow him into ministry. What? <laughs> no. That is nothing that Scripture would declare that it is okay for us to do, right? And so if it's not okay in Scripture, it is not okay in prophecy. Or somebody said, no, I had a prophetic word from God that I need to leave my husband and I need to go and do this and that and the next thing. No. That is not true. You misheard. You misunderstood the message that God was meaning to bring you. And that's why it is so important for us to really humbly walk in these gifts. The Bible says, in the counsel of many, there is wisdom and safety. And so if we will bring these gifts into submission to the body, instead of trying to tag a, thus saith the Lord, onto a message that I'm bringing to somebody, and rather say, hey, I really sense God is saying something to you. Can we think through this together? This is what I feel He's saying to you, and, and, and I'm trying to deliver it in such a way that it would make sense to you, and so it has this. Can we discern together what this means for you, and maybe this is what He's trying to tell you, and, 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 and I just want to pray this over your life because I really believe it's going to be an encouragement to you. And then the person could go, yeah, that, that does make sense, and I have felt like that, and so, yeah, I'd really appreciate the prayer. You know what, I'm encouraged by the fact that I know God is aware of this, and He has, you know, He has, he's, he has my back. Or it could be just more, um, more of, a, of, a, of a message of encouragement that, hey, God has just told me that you've gone through so much of late, and He just wants you to know that, you know, better times are ahead. And, and I'm not trying to make it arbitrary, but I am trying to make it... To, to a place where we'll know that it's okay to bring a word of prophecy to somebody that you're sensing and not have to be perfect and uh, like, you know, claim that your words are divine words from God. Because the purpose of it is to bring comfort and encouragement. And whatever you sensed, if it was from God, it'll make sense to that person, and it'll bring them encouragement, and it can bring them advice and counsel that they might need in a desperate time, okay? Um, as well as prophecy, takes, it takes faith for me to prophesy over somebody, but it also takes faith from the hearer to step into what was released over their life, what was, what was declared over their life. Let me tell you a quick story about how that worked in my life. In 2015, You'll know Pastor Jim LaFoon, right? So Pastor Jim LaFoon, he's a recognized prophet. I'll say something about that in just a minute. In our church, but also in the church movement that I used to, that I used to serve in, Every Nation, he's appointed as a prophet. Well, that's a different point. He, he declared a prophecy over my life in 2015 that at that point, it didn't come true. It was like a couple of years only after that it really came true. But here's how it went was, he said something that actually pointed to me moving here, right? At that time, that didn't make sense in my mind at all because there was absolutely nothing, you know, pointing to us ever coming to the United States. Just to be honest, we've never thought we lost anything here, so why come? I'm just, I'm just messing. <laughs> no, no. Uh, um, but, but, but it's true. I, I never, never, ever had a desire to come live here. Um, you know, I had desires to follow God in the mission field in other places. 
But he said that, and for me it was, okay, Lord, you know what? Sometimes I don't see the full future, and so if this is your will, so be it, you know? Like Mary, when the angel said to her, look, you're going to conceive a child, you know, without knowing a man. How does that work, you know? But, but, but well, here's her response, let it be unto me according to your word. And so it requires every hearer to take the word of encouragement that comes through prophecy and say, Lord, if this is from you, let it be unto me, and I will pursue this in you. In you. And so what I did was I would constantly refer and think of that, and I would say, Lord, if this is you, I believe it, and if the, if the, when it comes around, we will obey. We will obey. We will respond according to your will, even if it doesn't make sense. So, so many years went by that I eventually actually kind of forgot about that. It got kind of on the backside of my, of my memory bank, and um, um, we start thinking of coming to the United States to, to, to help Pastor Bubba and Pastor Josh here in Jennings. And we got confirmation through other means that we should come. And we'd already said yes when, um, when I remembered Pastor Jim's word. And so I went and I listened to that word again. And it was just so, so amazing to me how, like, this was three years before we made the decision, almost four years before we made the decision to come here, that he had already said something about that over my life um, that at the point I couldn't understand. It didn't make sense. But three years down the line, it made perfect sense. And it was just a confirmation on top of a decision that we had made where we felt led by the Lord to come here and to become um, part of this team. So sometimes you really have to engage, you as the hearer, the receiver of the word, have to also engage it with faith. You have to be willing to step into it and, 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 and trust God with it that, that, was, that was released over your life. And um, so I want to I I just come to Sally real quick. Could you, could you stand just for a little bit? Um, just to let you all know that if we share prophecy with people, um, there's no need to change your tone of voice or to, you know, like I say, tag a thus saith the Lord. And, and the person receiving the word can go and test it. And if it doesn't make sense to them, they can go, Lord, right now, I don't understand it, but maybe later it will. So we'll leave that to prayer and patience to see what, what happens with it. But, but Sal, I just, um, I, was, I was praying. In fact, in the previous sermon, I had a word for people, but I received it like when I was getting up from my bed, and I was just praying over the, the, the sermon, and immediately I, I had a word for, for um, Dana and David in the first sermon. And then, not even thinking about it, I was like, oh, wow, how am I going to do this in the second service? I have a word for nobody. <laughs> I didn't hear anything. So I said, Lord, help me. And um, as we were worshiping, I glanced over to my left for some reason. I saw you, and the Lord dropped something in my heart that I want to share with you. And this is what I feel God wants to encourage you with today, okay? And I hope it makes sense. And if it doesn't, then let's talk afterwards to try to figure out what it, what it was. But basically, I felt that he said that you've been grafting very hard, very faithfully and consistently, and that he sees that. He sees your, um, he sees your faithfulness. He sees your faithfulness, that you've not doubted him, that you've continued to trust him, and he wants to honor you for that today. But I also saw all of a sudden the word promotion over your life. I can't claim that it is about your job. I can't claim that. It might be, it might not be. But what I do feel strongly is that 
there is promotion coming to you because of your faithfulness and because of your consistency and that you have not doubted that you've remained, that you've remained trusting Him and that is what pleases His heart. God wants to say to you, Sally, I'm pleased with you. I'm pleased with you. You've done well. And because of that, the Bible says promotion comes from the Lord. He's going to bring promotion to you. I really don't know what that means, whether it's your job or whether it's in some other fashion or way, maybe the way people receive you, maybe the way you just experience your own journey with Him, enabling you to minister to people around you, but that it is coming as a result of you just being faithful. And so um, can we pray for her for that? Does that make sense in a sense? Does, Yeah. Ah. Good. Come on, let's pray that over her. Father, we just thank you for this encouragement to one of your faithful daughters. Lord, I just thank you that as she brings her desires to your heart, that she can lay her head on your chest and you know what she needs, you know what she wants, Father. She can rest in you and see it come to pass. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give Sally a hand. So let me just tell you, each time you do that, it's slightly nerve-wracking. Um, but if you approach it with humility, remember what we said. These gifts are the Holy Spirit's, right? They're not mine. And so I don't have to perform something here. My heart truly is to bring encouragement and to help people in their journey and their walk with God, to give them faith to continue the run and to continue the walk and, and so that they will, they, will, they will accomplish what it is that God has on their lives. And um, look, if this didn't make sense to Sally right now, Here's what I would have done. I would have said, all right, let's pause on that. Let's you and I have a conversation later about it, and let's figure out what it was that I was sensing. Okay? Real humanly, you know, just... Now, I mean, I hope I didn't... Did I change my tone of voice? I, I, I kind of lost track of what I was doing. No, it's not a matter of trying to perform something. The way I deliver it in doesn't make it more powerful or less powerful. Sometimes, you know, people get real charismatic about it. You're like, you know... Rah, rah, rah. There's no power in that, okay? The power lies in the connection it brings between that person and God. That's where the power lies. And it's my job just to bring that connection through the encouragement that I want to bring to people. Now I want to read you something. 1 Corinthians 14, 31 says, You can all prophesy. <laughs> all right, you ready? Turn to the person next. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, I was going to have some fun. I should have let that sit a little longer, but that was going to go. It wasn't going to be me. But you can all prophesy. And then it says one by one so that, um, let me, that's too far away for me to read. So that all may learn and be encouraged. Again, the purpose for this is to learn and to be encouraged by God. All right? It's, so, so you can see that verse as just meaning, okay, we're permitted. I believe that verse reveals we're enabled. And there's a difference. Not just are we permitted to prophesy, we're enabled by His Spirit to prophesy over people. Right? And we can all prophesy. Now, naturally, when 
we start stepping out with this, it's good to have just some guardrails so that we will hit the mark. For those of you who love temp and bowling, sometimes for me too, you know, you have to put up those little things at the, at the, at the, at the front, uh, at, the, at the sides, you know, so that you at least hit some of the pins. Okay, now the objective is to like strike all those pins out, right? For sure. That, but sometimes, you know, you kind of strike, strike this side, that side, this side, that side, and you might hit the one at the, at the side here. The, uh, it's still a hit, okay? Those guardrails make it impossible for you to not hit something, all right? So I'm going to give you some guardrails that helps you to know that you'll hit something when you try to bring a prophecy to people around you. And here's simply how it is. Very, 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 very simple. If you bring any form of the Word of God to people, they will be encouraged by it. Try to make sure that whenever you're bringing prophecy to somebody, you link it to the Word of God, right? You link it to a scriptural principle. Now, we have to be careful because some people use the Word of God to bring condemnation and judgment, right? And we know that we are past that covenant. We're no longer in that covenant where God pronounces judgment and, <clears throat> and condemnation over people who are in Christ. And so if we could just guardrail ourselves... My words of prophecy is meant to bring encouragement. It's meant to bring comfort. And it's meant to help people grow in their relationship with God. I'm not going to go and, 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 and condemn them and, and pass judgment on them because of, you know, the way I, th I, I feel I, I received a word from them. You need to learn to interpret the sense that you're getting to make it something that is life-giving and reminds them of the grace of God and of the power and the forgiveness and the ability of God to let His promises come true in their lives. That's how you make sure that you put those guardrails on. And you will hit the mark. You will hit those pins. And as you grow more accustomed to this, you start hitting more pins. And you start hitting more pins. And you become more effective at it. But you have to start somewhere, right? Right? And so sometimes we put those little, those little stands, those ramps, you know, that's like, you kind of, you aim it, you aim it, and you just go, boop, and it goes. Well, what's that? Well, that's basically just to ask God to give somebody a scripture verse. If you ask God, hey, how, how can I encourage somebody from your scripture? You can take one of those scriptures, like for instance, one that comes out of Psalm 107 verse 29 that says, hey, he calms the storms and he stills the waves in our lives. That's a word for somebody today. He calms the storms and he stills the waves. And that's a prophetic word because it could have not been released to you today. It could have been not um, that verse today. But I've been trusting God to just make it look so natural to operate in these gifts that everybody see that they're able to do it, right? Right? And that's how you, can, how you can ensure that you do hit some of, those, some of those pins. Also, we don't prophesy death, marriages, relationships, and pregnancies. All right? Those are no-go areas. You do not tell somebody, hey, the Lord showed me that you're going to be pregnant in a month. They're not even married yet. Okay? That's going to be offside. All right? You don't tell somebody they're going to die. You don't tell somebody that they're going to get married to a particular person. No. 
Those are off-limit topics. Those things have a lot of human interaction necessary in them, and people need to take responsibility in those areas. There is, there is, um, there is decisions that needs to be made, and based on their own walk with God, it's not your place to do that. It is best if you don't prophesy directional changes in people's lives. Don't tell somebody, hey, God is telling you to resign your job and go into ministry. Or, you know, resign from ministry and go find a job. Or God is telling you to you know, leave your industry and, you know, take on a music career. Those kind of changes, they're best left for people to speak into other people who are in relationship with them and who has received a, a place of, of father influence in a person's life, okay? And so often that would rather be some, we would, in fact, what we would just say is, if you're not a recognized prophet like Pastor Jim LaFoon, in other words, you haven't been appointed to a position of being a prophet, just don't go there. If, if you feel something of that nature, you approach it very carefully by asking a million questions before you share what you shared, all right? And then it's best to submit that to other people in that person's life who knows them, who knows where they're at, and, and that way we create a safety mechanism that makes sure that as we step out and trust God to bring good, bring encouragement, bring a comfort to one another, that we're not stepping into landmines that unnecessarily bring hurt, okay? But that's the gift of prophecy, and that's how amazing it is to bring comfort and bring encouragement and help us to, to continue walking strong in the Lord. So, the gift of tongues is the second declarative gift that the Bible re receives. And as we'll see from the text, is exactly the same as prophecy, it, um, apart from the fact that it's a language that does not necessarily get understood by people that are hearing it or the person that are, are sharing it. Sometimes it is understood by some people who are hearing it, like it's never understood by the person giving it necessarily. But we, have had, we do have precedent in Scripture where people speak both in understandable languages that they did not understand as well as in spiritual languages where it was not a necessary language of earth, but it was a, let's call it language of angels, or a spiritual language that needed to convey a message. Okay, let's go to the scripture to corroborate these thoughts. First, what is tongues? It's a message from God in a language unknown to the person through whom it comes. Okay? And let me first make a note there that there is a difference between how you apply tongues in a corporate setting versus how you apply the gift of tongues and speaking in tongues in your private walk with Jesus. Because you can, you can apply them differently and they have a different purpose in each of those settings. In the one setting, there is a need for them to be interpreted so that it might accomplish its purpose. In the other setting, when it's a private conversation between you and God, it's what we call a devotional prayer language. That's when you pray and speak to God for self-edification and for your own comfort and for your own building up of your faith. And we'll take you through all the scriptures that corroborate that. But let's talk about this one in public. 
Okay? Let's read what 1 Corinthians 14 says this. He says, So with yourself, since you're eager um, for the manifestations of the Spirit or the gifts of the Holy Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. That's again, that's the purpose. It's the building up of the church. It's not to create um, It's not to create anything other than building up of the church. And so whenever somebody uses this for any other purpose, it's simply not tethered to Scripture. It's not linked in Scripture no longer, all right? And I'm not saying that the Holy Spirit um, doesn't do things that we don't understand ever. I'm not saying that. I'm saying if it doesn't really result in the building up of the church, we're missing something, okay? That's what I'm saying. Okay, so anyone who speaks in tongues should pray also for the ability to interpret what has been said. For if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying, but I don't understand what I'm saying. Well then, what shall I do? Paul says this, I will pray in the spirit, I will also pray in words. I will understand, uh, words I understand. I will sing in the spirit, and I will also sing in words that I understand. For if you praise God only in the spirit, how can those who, underst- who don't understand you praise along with you, right? How can they join you in thanksgiving if they don't know what you're saying? You will be giving thanks very well, but it won't be strengthening the people who hear you. And then he says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than any of you, right? But in a church meeting, I would rather speak five understandable words to help others than 10,000 words in another language. But here's the thing. He doesn't say, so therefore, never speak in tongues in church. You see that? You see that? In fact, later on in that, in that same chapter, he says, and do not forbid speaking in tongues. That's when he lays down the ordinance. Do not forbid this. Over here, he's not laying down a rule In fact, he's actually saying, he's just creating an emphasis. He's creating a weight difference. He's saying it is more beneficial to the corporate body if I speak in an understandable language than it is if I speak in a language that is not understood. But we need to also balance that because later on, um, he says, the one who speaks in tongues is more than the one, uh, the one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, but he doesn't end there. He says, unless somebody interprets, that clause at the end of that sentence means that they're equal as long as there is interpretation. You will see? Some just go, the one who prophesies greater than the one who speaks in tongues. All right, so let's just discard tongues because prophecy is greater. No, when tongues come, it has a powerful effect. Let me show you how that happens. The Bible says, when an unbeliever walks into your room and he hears a tongue come out and somebody interprets the intention of that tongue, that message, somebody brings that message, all of a sudden he's convicted in his heart and he knows God is here. These people are serving a living God because that God revealed the intentions of his heart and he was brought to a confrontation where he had to repent or decide to reject, right? That's how powerful the gift of tongues is. The Bible says it's a, it's, a, it's a sign for the unbeliever, right? It's a sign for the unbeliever that God is here. But then he also says, if everybody just speaks in tongues randomly, and, and the unbeliever comes in and there's no interpretation of what's being said, that person will think you're mad. Right? 
So what's the difference then between some people speaking in tongues in church and it not getting interpreted versus some that may have, like Pastor Jim, when he came over here, he prophesied again over us, but he first spoke in tongues over us, and then he got an interpretation of what that meant before he prophesied, before he shared the message with us. But that got interpreted. Sometimes you'll hear somebody maybe close to you speak in tongues, and that does not get interpreted. What's the difference here? The audience is the difference. It's the audience. When Pastor Jim prophesied over us, everybody was listening to him. You were the audience, and therefore it needed interpretation for y'all to benefit, for us to benefit. When I pray in tongues while I'm singing to God during praise and worship, God is my audience. Y'all don't need interpretation of what's going on there. It's between me and Jesus, all right? And so same for you. You can pray and sing in tongues. Now, can can it get distracting? Yes, so I need to be sensitive. I need to walk in love. If I go, well, it's my right to pray in tongues, well, you've missed the whole thing. Already, because that just tells me that you don't understand the character of Jesus. Jesus will restrain himself to help another person not stumble, right? And so have the freedom, but have love for your fellow believer as well, right? Live and operate according to what God wants us to and how he wants us to do it. But speaking in tongues is powerful when it brings an interpretation message that the whole church might benefit by. And that's why the interpretation of tongues is so powerful. But what is this gift? It's clearly saying interpretation. It does not say translation. So answer me this. Why is it saying interpretation? It's because it's not necessarily a language that you are translating into English. It is a message that you are interpreting. It is a sense that you're explaining to people that is meant to bring them encouragement, meant to bring them hope and build their faith. So again, it says here in 1 Corinthians 14, 5, I want you all to speak in tongues, but the one who prophesies is greater unless somebody interprets that the church may be built up. Why is the gift of interpretation given? So that the church may be built up so that everybody will benefit from the message that gets spoken in tongues, all right? Um, Okay, so those are the three gifts. Here's my encouragement to us today. Eagerly desire to speak, to to, to, to use the spiritual gifts. And like Paul, I also want to say, I wish everybody would speak in tongues. Why do I say that? Well, simply because of this. Um, can I jump back real quick? I want to share with you three incorrect views on speaking in tongues, okay, that will help loosen you up from um, an op- opinions that restrain you or keep you from being able to receive the gift of tongues. The first one is that speaking in tongues is the only evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit. We covered that in week four, but essentially what we're saying is that That is not the only evidence. What what we're rather looking for is we're looking for the evidence of change. Change of character. Change of intentionality. Change of of, of perspective and, and, and purpose. Because that's what the Holy Spirit does. When the disciples were cowering and hiding away from everybody because they just lost Jesus, the Holy Spirit came. He made them bold and he helped them step out in faith and preach the gospel. That's what we're looking for. We're looking for people who start becoming passionate in their relationship with God. That shows me that you've been filled with the Holy Spirit more than the tongues thing, right? 
And let me show you a scripture verse where, where I mean, even Paul, <laughs> come on, Alan, preach with me here. Even Paul did not receive tongues as a manifestation when he got filled with the Holy Spirit. It's in Acts, Acts 9. The believer Ananias received a word of knowledge about Paul. God instructed him what he needed to go do with that. And now was, you know this guy kills Christians, right? God says, yes, I have a plan for him. Go. He obeys. It's a good thing to do when you receive a word of knowledge, even if you don't understand it. He went. He enters the house. And he says this. And Ananias departed and entered the house. And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road, that's a gift of the word of knowledge. Nobody could have shown Ananias that except him. In fact, Ananias also learned where he was through a word of knowledge. The address was given to Ananias by God. Go and went to that house. The Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which, by, um, by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. So immediately something like scales fell from Paul's eyes. He regained his sight. He rose, was baptized, took food, got strengthened. What do we see there? We don't see him speak in tongues in the moment that he got filled with the Holy Spirit. But what do we see? The Bible says a couple of days later, he started preaching that Jesus is Lord. Only a week later, he was in the synagogues teaching about the resurrected Christ, the same Jesus who he was just persecuting, same Christians who was killing. He was affirming them, and he was preaching the gospel to the lost. That's change. That's what we're looking for. Now, we do know that Paul spoke in tongues, it's clear from Scripture. I mean, he's written writings. He says, I speak in tongues more than all of you, and I wish that all of you would. But it didn't happen exactly at that point. And so for us, we, we understand that it's, there's, there's, there's more to the evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit than just speaking in tongues. Second, second, second thought. Speaking in tongues needs to be in an earthly language that somebody can understand. Because at Pentecost, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and then they started preaching the gospel in different dialects and languages, and people that were from different ethnicities, heard the gospel preached in their own language. So those people spoke miraculously in languages that they'd not learned before. That did happen. But that's not the only account of speaking in tongues that happened in, in Acts. And in none of the other accounts does it say that they spoke and people from other languages understood them. In fact, it becomes more clear as you read and read and read that there is a difference, that there is more often than not just spiritual language released than actual the ability to preach the gospel in an unknown earth, earth language uh, to yourself. So, um, and then in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul sets up this, this juxtaposition. He says, if I, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels, makes a differentiation between the two, sp earthly language, spiritual language, but I have not loved, and remember we said we pegged love as the, as, as the ultimate desire and the ultimate way that we build up the body of Christ and that these gifts are just coming to help us to love better, right? So he links it to that again, but he says, if you speak in the tongues of men and angels, you have not love, you're a clanging symbol. You're like a clanging symbol. So he's, he actually says that there is something like a spiritual language that is not understood by, by humans. Third thing is that, and then this, sorry, the last point of that is, why is it called the gift of the interpretation of tongues and not the translation? 
In fact, if somebody could understand it in human language, why did it need to be translated at all? Why did it need to be interpreted at all? If it was never meant to be interpreted, it was always meant for somebody to be understood. So maybe some of y'all here are maybe, you know, African, and you come from Nigeria, and you speak Yoruba, and, you know, I started pre uh, saying something in tongues, and it was the Yoruba, Yoruba language, and, and boom, you understood what I said. No need to interpret, you understood what I said. It was meant for you, because it was a language that you understood. No need for interpretation. Yet it's clear that there's a whole gift dedicated to interpreting spiritual language, which means that it shouldn't necessarily be translated. It's a sense, it's a message that needs to be conveyed. Um, and that's why you can have somebody bring a tongue, and then two people come and they give slightly different interpretations of that. Well, that's perfectly fine as long as they're complementary and not contradictory. It's perfectly fine because they might be different aspects of the same word that both people got different interpretations from. Not different, but complementary, but different. See? Because it's not a translation. It doesn't have just one particular message that needs to be brought in a certain way. And then the last one is the tongues are ceased. And it's just Acts 2 just defunks that. Peter said to them, Repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and for your children and for all. See all the things that he says? It's for you and your children, which means that your kids don't have to wait until they're adults. Once they become believers, they understand the need for personal repentance and receiving Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and they make a decision to do that, they're ready. They can be baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's for you, for your children. It's for all. And then he says, it's for everyone <laughs> whom the Lord your God will call. The Bible says no one comes unto the Father unless he's called. We were all called by God, Right? If we were called, this gift is for us, and you can have confidence that God wants you to be able to operate in each and every one of these gifts. And so why is my encouragement, coming back to my earlier point, that each and every one of us should desire and pursue and, and, and trust God to receive these gifts and be able to prophesy and pray in tongues? Specifically about the tongues thing today, that you may be built up in your faith. Listen to what 1 Corinthians 5 says. Um, Verse 4 says, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. Edifies himself. Jude 1 verse 20, but you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Praying in tongues builds your faith. Praying in tongues edifies yourself. It edifies you. It's allowing the Holy Spirit to build you up. And that's why it's such an important Gift, listen to me. I would not be able to do what I do as a, as a church minister without the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It is, I, 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 I do not even want to attempt it. I do not know how people do that in their own strength like that. It, it, it boggles my mind. But I do know this, that I go through the exact same heartaches, disillusion, um, disillusions, disappointments, you know, bouts of hopelessness, bouts of just, I don't know how this is going to work out, you know, feeling like, you know, am I going to be okay? We go through the same things. I stress about my kids every now and then, and, and, and you know the first thing I do when I hit a moment like that? 
I start praying in tongues. And as I pray in tongues, I focus on the Holy Spirit and He's able to break through all the junk that has come and is trying to um, 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 you know, influence my mind and remind me. Remember we said that the Holy Spirit, the devil reminds you of all your failures. The Holy Spirit reminds you of your identity. The Holy Spirit reminds you of the promises of God. The Holy Spirit reminds you of the hope that you have in Christ. He's able to do that for me. And I go, oh, I can trust you with my girls, Lord. I can trust you with my son. I don't have to fear that the devil is going to get a hold of them. I can trust you. Whenever anything goes bad, Lord, I know I can trust you. I don't know about you, but I faced things that have been stronger than me. I could not handle them if I did not have supernatural power to my availability. And when, the, when you pray in tongues, you manage stress better. You manage pressure better. You, manage, you make better decisions. Your emotions are calmer. Anxiety disappears. Depression is, is managed better. It has so much building up of your faith op, uh, potential. And that's why we encourage y'all, desire these gifts. Seek them. Ask God for them. Pursue them. Because they're there for your good. And the second thing is, they help us to pray. They help us to pray. Romans 8, 26 says, when we're weak, the Holy Spirit prays through us. He helps us. And then the beauty about that is the Holy Spirit knows the heart of God. And He can pray God's perfect will through me in a situation if I don't even know how to pray. Sometimes I've just stood in front of a situation, somebody happened, something happened to somebody, and I was just there. They call me, come and help this person. I stand there and I go, my, my God, I don't know how to help this person. I'm like, Holy Spirit, what do I even say? I don't know. And until I start really praying in tongues, I feel completely overwhelmed. But then I do. And the power of God comes. God's word comes. I can, I can see into a situation. I can see beyond that situation. I can counsel. I can comfort because I have been comforted. God wants this for each and every one of us. Let's all stand as we close today. I want to pray over us. If you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit, God wants to fill you. Jesus wants to baptize you with His Spirit so that you can have access to all these benefits that He's made available to His church. You can come to the front after we've prayed, after we've closed the service, and, and we can pray together and trust God that He will fill you. And if you've desired to be able to speak in tongues and you've not received that language, that spiritual language, let us, let us let's come, 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 come as well. Let us pray with you and let us trust God that he will help you to in faith receive that gift as well. Let me pray over you. Father, I just love it, Lord. I love it how you how you've thought of us, Lord. In everything, Lord, you made provision for us to be able to be ministered to, to be able to receive your love, to experience your closeness, to have a father-son, father-daughter relationship that is absolutely affirming and that, 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 that helps us be the men of God that you want us to be and the women of God that you want us to be, Lord God. You thought of everything, Lord. And if we lack, it's simply because we don't ask. It's simply because we don't ask, because you've made it available already, Lord. 
So Father, here we are, we ask, come fill us afresh with your spirit. Lord, move on us, Lord. God, we can't do this life and all this Christian things without in our own strength, Lord. We need you, Holy Spirit. Come and fill us. Come and fill us afresh. If you've been filled with the Holy Spirit before, you can just, the Bible talks about the, the continuous infilling of the Holy Spirit. This is not something that happens once and then it's done. It's something that you're constantly, by the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, renewing yourself in. And right here, right now is a moment where He wants to fill you. He wants to refresh you. He wants to encourage you. And just open up your heart and receive from Him because He wants to enable you to walk tall even during this weird time that we're in with hope and with courage and with faith so that you can even share that with people around you. Come and fill us, Lord. Come and, come and fill us to overflowing. We just wait on you. We wait on you. You're an awesome God. We honor you. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.